We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Hello and welcome to the Making Queer History Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Gianni Versace. So um, that's exciting. Very much so. Before we talk about that, though, let's go into a quick dive in what the project that you're listening to now with your ear holes is. This is Making Queer History. We look at stories throughout our history and just sort of like talk about them and explore them together and make them as accessible as possible to queer community, no matter what level of education or well, pretty much anything. We run articles. We run this podcast. We have all these social medias that you can find us on. Exactly. We have a Tumblr, a Facebook, a Twitter, a Patreon, which is probably the most important that we need to tell you about. That's where Our, we get paid. Exactly. Paying us is great. It's an ideal system. We do work and we get paid for the work. So our Patreon right now, you can sign up and support this project, help us continue making history as accessible as possible and sharing stories and lives and just really cool facts about the people in our history because there are a lot of really cool people in our history. There are also some really, really cool rewards on our Patreon right now. So I would really check that out. Also, we've been publishing a lot of content that's like Patreon only. And it's not like anything really huge. It's always just like book reviews and recommendations and fun facts from behind the scenes. But if you're interested in any of those things, do you know what a great idea would be to become a patron? So just go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash queer history to check out and see if maybe you want to help support us. You will also get access to these podcast episodes before anyone else. Exactly. You may have noticed that we have not existed in podcast form in your ears for an entire month so you've missed an entire month of us which was because we're sick which means we're recording two podcasts tonight which is very exciting but it also means that we have two podcasts on backup so now patrons are always going to be a month ahead of the rest of you so patrons will always have one more episode than you do and you'll get the episode eventually, I promise. But just next month. Just so... the next month. So if you want to hear early access and hear us talk, that is a great place to do it. Also, I would want to mention we have decided to actually make ourselves consistent and stick to a schedule by releasing the podcast the 13th of every month. I chose the 13th because I think it's a queer number. That is all. I'm very excited. And yeah, we'll be releasing one podcast episode to the public the 13th of every month. So get excited for that schedule. Exactly. You're going to actually be able to predict when you release episodes. Exactly. Instead of just like, sort of like, vaguely like, look every couple of weeks and then you're like, oh, they're here. We just appear from the void. But now we're going to appear from the void on nicely scheduled times. Yeah. Other fun things is that Laura is going to be speaking at a university. I am. We actually have a couple of really cool talks coming up. Dean's going to be doing one. I'll let them sort of like go on social media and tell you more about that later. But I'm doing one October 10th here in Edmonton. It's very exciting. It's going to be at McEwen University in Inquiries, which is the queer club in McEwen. There's a great 
amount of people there and there's like everyone there is pretty awesome let's be honest we we know them like pretty decently well and they're just a great group you should definitely come by not just to check us out but also to check them out we also have a couple more possible events coming your way and that's pretty cool and pretty exciting if you want us to speak in your town or wherever you are you should definitely check our website under bookings and you can possibly book us to speak at your place. And I think we have a pretty decent pricing system. Yes. So I feel like we're on the lower end of expenses. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I might be traveling also to talk a little bit later. And I'm just really excited in general. Our website, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is www.makingqueerhistory.com. That's where you can find everything we've ever done. Exactly. It's amazing. It's a great website. I designed it, so it's a little messy, but it's good. It's good. I love it. And Dean keeps it up, so it's beautiful. And And that's where you find links to all our social media, to our shop, to our articles, to our podcasts, to everything. Mm -hmm. That's the hub, the center of our existence. Exactly. Everything we do is focused on that. Also, side note, speaking of Dean, who is our editor and just a delight. Let's just be honest. Amazing. Um, We love you. Yes, we love Dean. Um, But also, more importantly than just we love Dean, because we mentioned that at least once per podcast episode. Dean is amazing. But um, more importantly, Dean's working on something right now behind the scenes, something Will doesn't even know about. I don't know about this. And Will's my wife, so you guys certainly do not know about it. But there's some really exciting things happening behind the scenes, and Dean's working really, really hard to bring you some amazing content this October. Specifically because October is Canada's um, Queer History Month. I think it might be some other countries too, but I don't know which one. I believe it's possibly also the States. Mm, Okay. Um, (laughs) Either way, it's Canada's Queer History Month, which I'm incredibly excited for. Because, you know, there's some really cool Canadian people in queer history that we haven't actually explored that much. Because I'm, like, really paranoid that my blatant Canadian bias will come through. And I'll be like, hey... We're only talking about Canadians now. But I think we've only ever talked about one, and it was only in a partial article. Yeah, it was from the Lesbian Stories, the mm-hmm. one we did the podcast on last time. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to hear about the one Canadian we've covered, check last month's podcast, or the month before last month's podcast. It's called Lesbian Stories. I ended up going on a huge rant about how TERFs can personally fight me in the parking lot of Shoppers Drug Mart. And yeah, I think that's... It was a great episode. It was good times. It sure was. So I'm very excited for Queer History Month, and we're going to be doing some really exciting things. Other fun things. I'm not sure if you guys remember our fundraiser, but we're currently in the progress of sending all rewards out. Yeah. Most people most people have already actually gotten their rewards by now, but the pins took a little bit longer, so we're sending them out right now. Also, we have some extra pins. So I'm sure some of you will be interested in these gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful pins. Because, honestly, they're really cute and I sort of want to hoard them all. But it's possible that we'll be releasing some of them to you guys. I don't know. We'll see. Just keep an eye out for that. Probably it'll be like patrons first. So, you know, if you want to become a patron, you might get a really cool pin out of it. Will, can you attest that the pins are pretty darn cool? The pins are very cool. I got one. Laura gave me one and I'm delighted. Yeah, that's nepotism, I think. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I just gave you three things. I'm so sorry, everyone. If you want me to step down from leading this company, (laughs) that is fair. Is this a company? I don't know. 
I guess. It's something. You get money, so. It is. That's great. That's a great part Can of I working. be a shareholder? No. Oh, okay. Well, actually, you you helped me buy envelopes yesterday. So there you are go. currently a shareholder. I am a shareholder, If you guys. help me buy envelopes, you're a shareholder. I also once bought you a notebook. Do you know what? So I Will basically owns this company I now. I do. I do. This it's Will and Dean. company. Um, Dean, you're working for me now. Yeah, you're, you'd be a better boss than me. I'm a terrible, <laughs> terrible boss. I'm like, hey, um, so I'm sick and dying, so I'm just going to not exist for an entire month. So, yeah, I basically disappeared for a month. I'm very sorry. We were both very sick. No, I, no let's, let's clarify this. I was very sick. Lawrence. Will got me very sick. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you. I know, you know, you bring the good things to this relationship. Like a cold that kept me in bed for like 100 years. Um, I'm still bitter about having this cold. If my voice is still hoarse, you can send your emails to Will. Yes. Uh, uh, my email, my work email now. Yeah. <laughs> no, Will doesn't have work email. But you can send any emails complaining about Will's behavior at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. I will you answer also, them. You will uh, not. Because this is my company now. It's fair. <laughs> it's the thing you want to do in your own company is answer emails? Yes. No. <laughs> I'll hire you, Laura. You're hired as... Do you know what you can do? You can also do all the important phone calls with people that I admire and respect. And people you admire and respect, you can do important phone calls with them, talking about dates and plans and asking them for things. Hey, Laura. And asking uh, people for support. I can Uh, hire you as vice president. You could ask people for support and money. So I know you you love doing that. That's not uncomfortable. You're you're hired. As vice president. You're hired as vice president. Well, I guess I'll only do um, nothing. I, will, I refuse Ooh. to do anything. <laughs> you didn't clarify my job description, so I refuse to do a thing. Um, Either way, um, this was just a hostile takeover, and we'll continue on with the podcast. Current job description is to, yeah, finish this podcast. Finish this podcast. First job in the company. I'm ready to screw it up. Are you guys ready to screw it up with me? All right, let's talk about Gianni Versace, because... This is an interesting person. We've talked about some, like, morally gray people. A lot more morally gray people, actually, in our most recent articles. So you should actually check them out. Um, not just because I think you should read everything I write, because I totally do. But also because the most recent articles, we've really got to sort of, like, dive into, like, the more complex versions of people. And how, like, sometimes a person isn't wholly good or bad and we can't put them into one category. Even though sometimes we really want to, especially with queer history. Because queer history, uh, for a lot of us, is something that we can look at and be like, I see myself in history. And for a lot of people, seeing yourself in history is a validating thing, which is great. But another part of seeing yourself in history is seeing your possible flaws or mistakes you should look out for. And that's a thing that a lot of people sort of like try to avoid, especially in queer history, because the queer community has to be defensive. That's just how the queer community has to exist. So it's become very difficult to talk about the more dirty parts of our history and the more difficult to understand parts of our history. So we've been exploring some really interesting people in the past couple months. One of them is um, an absolute fave, Elmir Dehori, who I really loved learning about and reading about and is an art forger. Go so check out the article. Exactly. Let's Lord talk Lord. about morality. Exactly. The current kind of some morality we're talking about is Gianna Versace. Yes. Gianni Versace. You probably recognize the name. Yes. I'm assuming. It's because it's an incredibly famous designer. 
I feel like everyone knows Faith Versace. Yes, I I would definitely describe before I started this project knowing vaguely about Versace. And now we know a little more about Versace. We know vaguely more. For example, I didn't know that he was queer. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it wasn't something I was surprised with when I, like, figured it out, but it was also like, oh, okay. And it was interesting to know that he was openly queer. Um, He was a gay man, and yeah, he was very open about his sexuality, and that led to a couple of things throughout his life But yeah, he- that were messy. Definitely. We can skip into that later. So he Let's was- start at the beginning then. Sorry. No, it's okay. So he was an Italian man, uh, born in 1946 on December 2nd. And he was born into a family uh, of, I don't know what his dad was doing. His mom was a dressmaker. Amazing. And he had three siblings, one of whom died. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, after he finished high school, he uh, went into an apprenticeship in his mom's business. Exactly. And he learned a lot about the background of fashion and the actual technical details of making clothing and selling clothing and all those kind of fun things, which helped him into his career that you probably definitely know about. Yeah, and this was just where he sort of found his passion and mm-hmm. the things that he enjoyed. He had also an affinity for, or a fondness for, architecture. Mm-hmm. And he also enjoyed modern art and Greco-Roman art, which mm-hmm. I feel like are very opposite sides of the scales. Yeah, but they like definitely showed up in his work and in his brand, which he started building through some weird ways. I'm very excited. Yes, so he moved to Milan at 26 mm-hmm. to work in fashion design, and then he had run a couple of lines for a... Uh, it's called Jenny's. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know what kind of brand it is, but mm-hmm. it's a clothing brand. He ran first a youthful line in 1973, and then uh, in 1977 he had one that was more experimental. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what got him up and going. Yeah. And then in 1978, he opened his own boutique in Milan. Mm -hmm. And from there on, it just, he got more and more famous. It just sort of spiraled. Yeah. Or spiraled up. Yeah, spiraled upwards. (laughs) Um, But either way, he actually had some really interesting things about, like, how he got notoriety. And one of his strategies was definitely manipulating the press to give him free publicity because he would um, design very out there or very outrageous clothing that the press would then, of course, debate about and put on the public stage like, oh, is this horrible? Is it beautiful? Is it what? Is it one? Is it the other? A lot of criticism was, or a lot of critiquers said that it was sort of both great and terrible. Yeah. It was like a, a nice mixture of gorgeous and gaudy. And um, Versace basically used this to be like, hey, All press is good press, right? No such thing as bad press. Everyone was learning about his name. Everyone was learning about his brand. And then he started making friends with celebrities because, you know, that's a very common um, celebrity tool to, like, create, like, a little controversy around yourself to then put yourself more into the public spotlight. And he became friends with a lot of celebrities. And what he would do is he'd put celebrities in the front row of his fashion shows, which he was the first one to really do that and employ that. And it brought a whole bunch of publicity to his brand. He was also the first to actually, um, I believe at least, uh, employ supermodels. He mm-hmm. sort of created, created the way supermodels exist today. Exactly. By hiring them to do jobs over and over again and then paying them a lot Mm -hmm. and then the press has dubbed them supermodels and that's how they were born exactly so you know that industry thanks versace yeah i'm not the fondest of it but you know there are some upsides true 
And uh, he was definitely an artist at heart, I would mm -hmm. call him. He, he kept using these bold prints and intense colors. And what a lot of articles I've read deem as sexy cuts. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm assuming it means a lot of skin. I'm assuming so too, but my first image when you said sexy cuts is like, you know those scissors that you get in like preschool? Yes. Where like it's exactly. it's it's like like a rigid edge or whatever. Sexy cut. Sexy cuts. It's like <laughs> instead of like um just like a straight scissors scissors, it's like a silhouette of a sexy body or something. I don't know. <laughs> Love it. Hey, someone give me a fashion designing company right now. I have some plans. <laughs> but he was super innovative. He did mm -hmm. a lot of new things. He also sort of renewed men's fashion because he originally started out making dresses. And there was a saying that was said like, Armani for the husband and Versace for the mistress. Mm -hmm. But then he also went into men's fashion and he really revolutionized it, especially by, this is a quote, but he insisted on men as sex objects, which I'm like, I'm intrigued because what he did was he brought with him what he had learned about making women's fashion and sexy fashion. Mm -hmm. And then he translated that into men's fashion. Yeah. And I don't believe the clothing has, has gender, but I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting how he used all these skills from, like, women's fashion and just, like, put a tie on it. Exactly. And, yeah, I just find that really interesting as well. It's just, like, a really interesting strategy. And not only that, it's a really cool thing that he treated men's fashion and women's fashion very similarly, like an art form that he thought they were. And I agree, fashion's definitely an art form. But, you know there's definitely a discrepancy in how women's fashion is seen and in how men's fashion is seen. One is serious and important and like, you know, like strict and da 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 da. And then women's fashion is catty and rude and gaudy and all this kind of stuff and ridiculous. So it was interesting that he brought the exact same strategies to both. Well, not the exact same, there's probably differences, but like he brought the same eye to exactly. both. And also, like, I feel like, I don't know much about fashion, but I feel like women's fashion is so much. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's all these colors and prints and styles. And then you have men's gorgeous. fashion. It's just, like, the same outfit over and over and over again. I don't, I don't get it. Like, no shade on any guy at all. This is full shade of the industry. Like, not even a little bit of shade at any guy. But full shade of the fashion industry. Give men good clothing to wear. Because men's clothing are boring right now. And then women's clothing is over here like, hey, let's add a feather boa. And I'm like, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. That's a tangent that you can feel free to ignore. Men's clothing sometimes garbage though. Like, let's be honest. You see, like, I've been noticing this month because like autumn's officially started. I like see all these gorgeous like femmes and like femme presenting people out on the street, just killing it, wearing these long coats, like reach like basically the ground and it's like these gorgeous deep colors and then fucking Todd's there with his fucking like shorts and, and polo shirt again and I'm like they look so beautiful I don't what are you doing Todd Todd's just out there I'm sorry if any of you guys are named Todd I wasn't actually directing that at you it was the first male name I could think of back to <laughs> moving back to the topic and out of Laura being like mm, I wish clothing was better time for you to become a fashion designer Get me a fashion industry, an entire industry, not just a company. I want the entire industry to just sit down and, and just, like, hear my ideas. Suits, 
but instead of a tie, a feather boa. I love it. Thank you. Anyways, let's continue. <laughs> so yeah, you Versace did a lot of revolutionary things. In like the suits, except with a feather boa and instead of a tie. Exactly what he did. Yeah. And I believe he was also he was also really into theater. He actually there's a quote uh, that for one is the gayest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. For me, theater is liberation. Yeah, that's pretty gay. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's like a beautiful quote. I right? 100% agree. But at the same time, that's non-heterosexual. Really gay. Uh, he did a lot of stage designs. did a lot of costumes. He also at later points started doing jewelry and housewares. So he really expanded and explored himself and his designs. He designed for uh, Elton John, Madonna, Prince, and Princess Diana too, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's a great group of people there. Right. So, yeah. And then he used these people to pull himself further up. Mm-hmm. And then he also, like, became friends with the celebrities. And, like, sort of, uh, he had this one thing where he had a house somewhere where basically when his friend who was a celebrity was, like, going through a scandal, he'd be like, hey, just go to my house. Like, wait, wait it out, then come out and deal with the press. Just, like, take your time, right? Which, like, really good in theory. He did it for Woody Allen, though, so I'm like, I'm not here for it. But at the same time, good in theory. I I like the idea of celebrities actually being able to, like, have some time. And, like, before they go to the press and deal with this on the huge public stage of public opinion and judgment on their life, they have some time to, like, they have some time to just, like, sit, deal with it emotionally before they have to deal with it emotionally in front of millions of people. That does sound like a... A healthier thing to do. Yes. Just let it pass it. Side note, someone let Shia LaBeouf go to that house. Please. Just let that boy take a nap. Like, jeez. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things around Shia LaBeouf that I'm not going to address. But at the same time, someone let Shia LaBeouf take a gosh darn nap. That boy needs a nap. He needs some time away from... Just like a year off. Just take a year off. Just take a year off and just... Sit down, go to therapy, have a great day. Get yourself some Starbucks, pet a dog, you know? Me at everyone in my life. Do you know what? Yeah. Honestly, this is just... Do you know what? Remove Shia LaBeouf. Everyone, here we go. Here we go. Let's get Take some a year off. life. Take a year off. Take a Go nap. to therapy. <laughs> pet a dog. Go to Starbucks. Like, get you can sleep. replace Starbucks with, like, a, a actual, like, good-for-the-world coffee shop, though. Starbucks. Nah. Don't, morally don't, gray. Yeah. <laughs> It's a corporation. It's evil. Let's move on. But, like, either way, take a nap, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just take some time. Like, this is just our advice for the episode. For Sachi. For Sachi. For definitely needed a nap. Yes. That boy. I don't know how to continue, but I Let's will. Let's segue back into this like a fucking roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, monster truck and a roller derby. There we go. That yes. was the saying I was looking for. Uh, so Versace also had a boyfriend. Yes, a uh, boyfriend of fifteen years <laughs> that I hadn't heard about until I researched this. So you know, fun times. Uh, they met in nineteen eighty-two. His mm-hmm. name was uh, Antonio D'Amico. He was uh, a model and later designer. He did work with Versace and for Versace, and he also worked outside of the company. So mm-hmm. he. Had a lot of experience. He did a lot of good work. And they dated until Versace died. Side note. Side note. When I was researching this article, this was something that infuriated me. Um, I ended up uh, probably ranting to Will about it for a long time. 
But it, it was very frustrating because um, D'Amico was Versace's partner for until Versace died. They were dating. They were dating. They were, they were together. Love. But everyone called... Like, I was very confused because everyone called him his ex-boyfriend. And I'm like, it doesn't... When someone dies, you're not... An, they're not an ex. That's not how it works. They didn't break up. He died. But as we're about to dive into, there's a lot of animosity with the press and Namiko specifically because um, it made Gianni's sexuality impossible to ignore. Because before, while he was open, it, it was something they could sort of like look past. They're like, okay, you, you can do that. I just don't have to see it. It's fine. And then he started dating someone and he started dating someone he loved. And this is like a thing you see as a theme a lot in, in queer history is that people are fine with queer people until they act on and have like happy relationships. They're fine with us being miserable and alone and having difficult times. But as soon as we're happy and in healthy relationships, they're suddenly very upset or they don't want to look at it anymore. And that's a really clear thing when you look at Gianni Versace's life. Every, when I researched this, every single article, or I, I, half of the articles that I found dealt only with Versace's killer. <laughs> Some of them were like, oh yeah, this was their relationship. This is why he was killed. But half of them were about his death. <laughs> the other half were about him, but they barely mentioned Antonio D'Amico. Yeah, and... Yeah, that's just another example of our misery, our sadness, our death is more interesting to society than our life and our happiness and our relationships and our love. They want to see us in a very specific light. And because of that, we've missed out on seeing a lot of really beautiful relationships. And I don't know if actually Gianni Versace's and Antonio D'Amico's relationship was perfect. It probably wasn't. No relationship is. But there's so much we don't know about the relationship that it's hard to not feel like we're missing out on something. Like maybe if the world had been at a different place at the time, or maybe if things had just been different, we could have been able to hear an amazing story about two people who clearly loved each other. And yeah, Anyways, now we're talking about the murder. So we're moving into murder now. Exciting. <laughs> in summation, Gianni Versace was murdered. In 1997, he was killed as he was on his way to a coffee shop. And that, and we lost that story. After he died um, in his will, he left a whole bunch to his partner. But then his family was furious with that. And his siblings, of course... We've seen this before through a tantrum and stripped his partner of what was left to him in the will. And a lot of uh, Versace's friends were furious at that, including Elton John, who was just enraged by the fact that they would do this. But they did. They took away everything they could possibly strip from Antonio D'Amico because, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, I guess, if it's greed or homophobia either way they hurt someone and it's really sad to see it happen over and over again especially after a loss of a partner and this is something yeah again we've seen a lot um in lesbian relationships it's often the child if they have a child especially if one of uh the women has a child it will go back to the father instead of being with the mother who's raised them their entire life 
or looking at the life of um, the Duchess. Remember the Duchess we talked about, Louisa? You can look at the article if you want to learn a bit more or listen to the podcast because we have a podcast on them. But after she died, she left everything to her wife and her children threw a temper tantrum and took everything from her because queer relationships aren't worth as much, apparently. They don't the people queer people lose don't matter as much as the people straight people lose. And the relationships that, like, I mean, a 15-year relationship, that's a long time. Yeah. And nothing. The family wanted him to have nothing. And that's pretty horrible. I can't imagine being a person who, no matter how much I hated my sibling's partner, and I disliked a lot of my sibling's partners, no matter how much I hated them, if they were together for that long, or if they were together when they died, I can never imagine trying to remove them. I can never imagine fighting my sibling's will. I just, I don't know. Maybe I have a different relationship with my family. Maybe I care about them more than straight people do. I don't know. Not to um, shade anyone, but I don't like Gianni Versace's family because I just think that's such a horrible thing to do to a person. As someone who has lost a parent, I saw my mom lose a partner and that is devastating. And I can't imagine going through that while the family attacks you, basically. And the family did continue to attack him. Um, they hate him. They talk about him in the press. They shade him in the press. They talk trash about him in the press. Because, I don't know, it doesn't matter if it's homophobia or pettiness. Either yes. way, it's cruel. Yeah. That's our end note today. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I had a lighter note to say or I could say that it ended happily and Antonio is living beautifully and has taken all the money from Versace siblings. But that's not what happened. And I'm a little bit infuriated by that. You're allowed to be. It should be. Yeah. So those are my emotions around Gianni Versace's story. And I would definitely encourage everyone to, you know, sort of research yourself and find your own. You know, look through our article. Of course, I wanted you to do that. But also look through other sources. Look through all the amazing other projects that exist that look at queer history and look at the queer people throughout history and look at Gianni Versace's story a little bit more and dig a little deeper because that's an interesting man and he had an interesting life and his story is definitely painted in one way by a lot of sources and I think it's a great idea to look at a diverse range of sources instead. Yeah, so that's a downer note that I'm ending on. I'm bitter and... Mad that there are more articles about the murderer of Gianni Versace than his loving partner for 15 years. It is very shitty in it every is aspect. Not good. Uh, so I'm going to move us to a happier note. Mm. This is I'm excited. The third part of the podcast. Yes, it's a vaguely newly interested. Like, I think we've had it for like about four months now, and we still don't have a title for it. Because, you know, I'm bad at coming up with titles. So if anyone has a title idea, please send it to us. And as a hostage note, um, instead, like, if since we don't have a title, since none of you have sent one in, we are instead coming up with one on the spot each time, each one worse than the last. This time, it's Will's turn to, intro um, to say the segment, so it's my turn to introduce the segment. So, is everyone ready for the introduction song? I am so ready. <laughs> Alright, so we just ended on a downer note. And now we talk about things 
that other queer people have made and hope that it makes you slightly happier than the downer note that we ended on so that you'll feel happy when you think of our podcast instead of sad and depressed. Because generally we don't like making people feel sad, even though we're not going to erase parts of history to make you feel happy. But still, at the same time, we'd want to give you positive things to think about throughout your day. Ding. <laughs> Great. Laura. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. So that's your hostage note for this month. Um, please give us a title so I have to do that every month. Maybe we should just call it, like, queer art. But it's not specifically, like, just because, like, to me, that makes it think, like, it's just art. Because I could talk yeah, about, true. like, a queer mathematician. I could be true. It's very unlikely I'm going to be excited about a queer mathematician, guys. Send me cool queer mathematicians because I am not going to find them on my own. Like, (laughs) that's not something I'm going to encounter naturally. You guys have to send it. Queer wreck. Wrecking queers. Wrecking queers. That sounds bad. Oh, dear. Yes, it does. (laughs) It sounds like we're going to drag people. Yes. Here's the queer people we don't like this week. Janet, we're talking about you. We don't know Janet, by the way. We're not actually talking about anyone. I just want to make it clear that we're not dragging any of our acquaintances slash friends slash enemies. Yes. Those are the three categories the people we know go into. (laughs) I'm going to talk about something fun this time. Exactly. So normally we talk about a book or a movie or a TV series uh, that we've uh, been paying attention to. But this time I'm going to talk about a game. (gasps) Game? Tell me more. It's a game. Okay. Uh, that was a bad pun. Thank you. No. <laughs> this one is a phone game. It's called the Arcana. And it's uh, one of those romance choose-your-own-story games. Except it's half romance. Wait, quarter romance. Yeah. Quarter mystery. And quarter, quarter fantasy. And quarter just... Hot people. I was going to say, like, wholesomeness, but hot people. Do you want? Okay, fair enough. Will Will wins on wholesomeness today. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the first games I've ever encountered of this kind that actually allows you to choose pronouns. Mm-hmm. And it gives you three entire options. Yeah. Including they, them, theirs. Exactly. So it's just really exciting. Mm-hmm. It gives you love interests that are both male and female. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of interesting stories going on. It deals uh, specifically, the theme is about magic and the arcana suit of uh, tarot cards. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in any of that, check out the arcana game. And also, like, because I, I don't actually, side note, fun fact about me, I don't play games very often. Like, sometimes board games up, but games don't really engage my mind that much. It just doesn't take up much of my mind. But this is, like, much more, at least to me, like a visual novel. And it's really enjoyable in that, like, context. And, like, I'm in love with all the characters a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. Except one. And if you play the game, you'll know who that is. You'll know exactly who that is. And same, though. (laughs) But anyways, we definitely think you should play the game. It's a lot of fun. It's Um, The creators, yeah, it's gorgeous. The art is so nice. Like, honestly, it's just absolutely gorgeous game. So uh, you can get it, uh, I believe, Google Play. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, um, uh, what's it called? App Store? App Store. Yeah, I assume that it's on the right? Apple. Yes. On the Apple. <laughs> Does anyone still have an Apple phone? Yes. Who? Um, I don't know anyone, but like, assuming people do, email us if you have an iPhone. <laughs> email us if you have an iPhone and you need to have that like little thing that it always does on send the end that's horrible. Send, phone, send from iPhone. You have to have that. You know you can fake that though, right? 
I refuse to believe it. I think it's like... (laughs) No. From my android. (laughs) No. Everyone, don't do that. That, I will sue you. That is fraud. (laughs) That is identity theft, Jim. (laughs) Identity theft is not a joke, Will. Yeah, check out the Arcana game if you like visual novels, if you like good art, if you like being gay. Those are three things you can like in the world. Exactly. And you all get those in the Arcana game. Mm -hmm. This is not an ad, by the way. I don't get paid to say this. I just really enjoy the game and I want people to play it and talk Mm -hmm. to me about it. Bold of anyone to assume we get paid almost any money. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's your queer wreck for this month. Mm -hmm. By the way, um, nothing we do is sponsored at this point. We are... Like, you could call us grassroots if you, if you meant, like, our roots are about the length of grass and can be yanked out at any moment violently and horribly. Or that feeling when you're sitting in the grass and you're just pulling grass out. Yeah, and we might be that one blade of grass. We don't know. The hand's coming. It's coming for one of us. I hope it's not us. <laughs> the hand is capitalism. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're absolutely it's a metaphor. Right. Solid one. Thank you. So, yeah. Any end notes you want to leave our listeners with? Um, I'm sorry for making things sad, but I'm glad we'll th- make things happy again. Please do become a patron if you want to. Stop the hand of capitalism from ripping us grass blades from the dirt and throwing us into the wind. Grass blades. Grass blades. That's... That sounds real badass. That sounds really cool. That's that's yeah. my, like, racer car name. Like, if I get, a, like, a, a, one of those fast cars. Grass blades. Grass blades. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of like a sword made out of grass. That's a terrible idea. I hate it. Fair enough. It's gonna be a lime green car though. I'll never drive it because I'm afraid of driving, but I'll look at it. And sometimes I'll be like, ooh, maybe someone else can drive me. And I'll think, ooh, speed's a little scary, so I won't. So <laughs> that's Rude. my plan. I'm not getting you a car, in other words. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> uh, yeah, support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So. We can buy things other than green cards called grass blade. Exactly. Find us on our website, www.makingqueerhistory.com. You can email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Thank you, Laura. And yeah, comment on our social medias. Mm-hmm. We love hearing from you guys. We really, really do. Any comment, any like, any retweet, any email telling us that we're stupid. I don't know. We're excited to hear it. Yes. Drag us. Wreck the queers. (laughs) Should we, once we get enough hate mail to like start like um, reading it out on here to make fun of it, should we make that a good Wreck the queers? Wreck the queers. That's so funny. Thank you. Ooh, it could be like the two part. Like one half we read hate mail, one half we read hate mail, and the other half we recommend to people. I like that. Thank you. It's really good. I think I just came out with a revolutionary idea. Wreck the queers. Wreck the queers. All right, that's what the segment is called now. Send us feedback about what you think of it. And if you hate it, you might be on tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> I say it like we're a daily show. If we were daily, this would be even messier than it is now. Like, it's messy. Y'all can hear it. It's messy. But at the same time, it can be messier. Like, you think you're hearing half of those tangents we go on. Half of them. I cut as many out as I can. Yeah. But some of them I'm really fond of. I really should have cut out the stupid um, Captain America tangent I went on (laughs) in one of those episodes. To be fair, I hadn't slept in, like, two days. Yeah, that's true. 
And then I was like real mad about Captain America, which I still am. I can go on a tangent. Email me and I'll send you something back. I'll send you an essay, my dissertation on why Captain America in Civil War can fight me in the parking lot of a Wendy's. Fair enough. Anyways, thank you all for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Remember Um, to contact us. And become a patron if you can. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. And remember, history is queerer than you think. We have always existed, and we are still here, telling the stories of those slumbered. We won't disappear. Every step we're taking is history.